Introducing Forcecast.net. At last. Home for all things Forcecast. This is where the fun begins. Star Wars fans, listen to the Forcecast and visit Forcecast.net. We found the computer outlet, sir. From the weekly Forcecast to the Clone Wars Roundtable and the IndieCast. Forcecast.net leaves no fan behind. It is pointless to resist. Watch Forcecast live. Read our blog. Post in our forums. Check out photo galleries. Listener contests. Cruise through the show archives, including the Galaxy of Music, Clone Wars Roundtables, Microcasts, Cantina Interviews, Special Reports. They're all here. Are you sure this thing is safe? What are you waiting for? Check it out. Forcecast.net. I feel the force. The Galaxy is listening. Hi, this is Jason. And this is Jimmy Mack from the Forcecast. And you're listening to Geek Out Loud. May the force be with you, bro. It's been a long time coming, but we're back. And this episode is all about you, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. It's all your emails all the time on this very special return to podcasting episode of your safe place to geek out, the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Okay, don't adjust your iPods or your Zooms or your iTunes or your computer. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Geek Out Loud podcast. I'm Big Honk and Steve, your host on this, your safe place to geek out. And uh, I want to just say welcome and thank you for keeping me a part of your subscriptions and coming back and checking the site and seeing where is that next episode for the past two months or so. In fact, let me see exactly how long it's been here. It has been, uh, yeah, two July twenty fourth to August to September. It's been over two months. So I mean, it's been about nine. It's been a quarter of high school uh, since we were last together. And uh, so, thank you for sticking with me. I know that a lot of you have stuck with me through some other things going on. Uh, I could tell you personal life, real life. I could tell you all that stuff. It has been crazy busy, and there have been opportunities to record. But I'll be honest with you, most of the time, I'm just like, gosh, I just want to sit down. I don't want to. I mean, now that I'm not sitting down now, now that I stand up and podcast, which I should probably do that. That's probably better for the circulation. But anyhow, not that. Um, not that you know I'm not sitting down right now, but you know they're just you get the free time and you're like I just want to chill, I just want to veg, and so um, I apologize for taking so long to get back to you guys, but I'm back. We're here. We're it's 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 geek out loud. Let me pull back the curtain as I want to do on the show. It is currently 10:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, here in um, my neck of the woods in southeast Georgia. 
and uh we're just you know i said i've got to do it i got to get it out we've there's too many emails to get through there's too many things that have to be discussed and uh and so i promised you on the last episode that the next episode would be all emails it would be all of your listener emails and i tend to honor that commitment to you and that's one of the things that's taken so long i am sitting right now on an interview with ash miller he is one of the co-writers from the terminator the sarah connor chronicles he's also a writer on uh fringe now fox television show fringe and he is one of the writers on the upcoming uh movie adaptation of the thor comic book so we talk a little bit about all of that and it was a great time to talk to ash and so uh we'll have that on the next geek out loud which i promise you will not take the time that it took to get this one out so because it's done you know i mean it's mostly done but i wanted to do this first because it is important to me to get to you and to fulfill my request i got to do a couple of housekeeping things really quickly i want to give a shout out to jason spencer uh matt krueger casey altman and um and uh Oh my gosh, Amy Lynn, Scarlett Lynn on the forums, because those guys have been responsible for the content at geekoutonline.com more than I have. They've put in some incredible comic book reviews and some and some comments about some stuff. I'm sitting right now on two uh, blogs by Casey. I've got some Blackest Night reviews by Jason to get out. Just recently put up uh, Batmat's last uh, review of Batman and Robin number three. So there is a lot going on. There's a lot that's coming in the site and, uh, and having a good time over there. I've not put anything in and i need to rectify that situation greatly also uh one of the things that's happened in the past month for me is on local radio here in my town i've started a show called the big honkin show and it happens every saturday morning uh, from 10 to 11 a.m and it has been a blast um in fact what i want to do right now for you before we jump into emails, is I want to play you a segment from the Big Honkin' Show. This was uh, this is something I've taken from Geek Out Loud, and we've been able to do every week on the Big Honkin' Show, but this was the best one yet. This is a real-life superhero segment. The voice you'll hear with me is my good friend Buck, who I've known for several years now, and we've always talked about getting together and doing a, a radio show. And it was kind of a pipe dream until podcasting came along. And you guys, the, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, you really, really are. Um, uh, are a big part of the reason I am now on the radio here locally. And we've got big plans. We've probably got bigger plans than what we should have for the Big Honkin' Show. But uh, right now, what I want you to hear is just how much fun we're having on Saturday mornings and uh, and then tell you a little bit more about it. So here is uh, the clip from the real-life superhero from the last episode of the Big Honkin' Show. You know, um, in a world of evil, we need heroes. And that's why we have a real-life uh, superhero. Lake Worth, Florida. Right around the corner from where they were bowling, apparently. Right. <laughs> Authorities say a naked 91-year-old man was able to hold it. we got to be careful with this one, by the way. Was able to hold a drunken intruder at gunpoint until deputies arrived. Robert E. Thompson. Yeah, it's my first cousin. Uh, jumped out of bed early Saturday when his dog started growling and attacking the intruder. He said he got his revolver and went out back to let the guy know he how he felt about home invaders. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I just like you to know how I feel about home intruders. Oh, get out of here, old man. 
Thompson, a World War II vet, said he didn't even notice he was standing outside in the dark without any clothes on. <laughs> now, you might be surprised by my appearance. <laughs> I am too. But I still got you, oh. sucker. Authorities arrived to find a drunk intruder being held outside by a naked homeowner. I, I would like him to use held, a different word than being held. Held outside? <laughs> outside the home? Yes. Like, he, the guy was up, apparently trying to get into the guy's oh. house. Like, he was on his property. The 26-year-old intruder was booked into the Palm Beach County Jail on a burglary charge. I, I did read that the, the old man fired a warning shot in another article. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He told the guy to stay, and the guy... Hey, he didn't you stay wanna, right there. Yeah, he didn't want to stay, hey. and he was coming towards the old man. The old hey. man shot at him. I'm not running. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot you. Uh, I'll blow your brains out right now, kid. <laughs> God, what are they going to do to me? I'm old. I got nothing to live for. I'm 91 years old. I have a freaking World War II vet. <laughs> I'll be dead before I get in the chair. <laughs> you, think I, you think I care what they do to me? I'll take you down. Oh, medicine costs too much money anyway. That's right. You know? I'm tired of my pills. <laughs> No, I like I like I was like he went out back to let the guy know how he felt about home invaders. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sonny. Well, the, they're talking about the prosecutors talking about letting him off um, you know, for time served for having to sit in the presence of a naked old man. <laughs> well, <that's- laughs> that's my next question. I do want <laughs> Put your clothes on. <laughs> Sir, I'm so sorry. Do you think one of the, the investigators gave him a jacket look, or... Look, I was... Oh, well, hey there. <laughs> you got to talk with the whistle. Hello there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was he doing naked? I mean, he, let's be careful. Let's I, be careful. I saw him on Fox News, and he said... He you was, saw it on Fox News? No, I saw him. Oh, were, he okay. was being interviewed, and he, and the he fair said... And, the fair and balanced yeah. news, yeah. Well, they are ding, fair ding. and balanced. Yeah, well, okay. We've talked about we this don't before. Want, we don't want to go into this. No, we don't have time. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> he, he stated it was uh, mostly embarrassing. That's the... Mostly that, embarrassing? It, he, he, that, that's how his family found out he slept in the nude, was <laughs> his, 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 his sons and daughters and granddaughters. and What? Mm, all right. Well, <laughs> well that's oh. that. Uh, we salute you, naked ninety-one-year-old World War II vet, with crime mm. fighter. Mm. <laughs> Where are my teeth? Where are my teeth? That's our real life superhero. <laughs> All right, we're going to be back in a minute uh, to wrap things up. So stick around right here on the uh, on the Big Honkin' Show. So, <laughs> we had a lot of fun that morning talking about that. So. Um, but here's the thing. It, it is released in podcast form. The website is BigHonkinShow.com, BigHonkinShow.com. Now, a lot of you have already subscribed and tried to download episodes 
For some reason, iTunes is having an issue downloading episodes of The Big Honkin' Show. I don't know what it is. I've tried everything I know to do. And so this is what I'm doing before I completely scrap the feed and start all over again, which is my next step in life, is if you are uh, tech savvy in any way and know how to and have have run across this problem before know someone who has run across this problem I mean we're getting two to th- we're getting 2,500, 3,000 downloads of Geek Out Loud uh, every show now so um, surely there's someone out there who knows better than I do what they're doing when it comes to this stuff because I really still don't have a clue what I'm doing and um, if you have an idea, if you've seen this before and you know the fix, just get in touch with me. Email me at uh, geekoutonline at gmail.com and um, save my life. I'll write a song for you if you can if you can fix this problem. So <laughs> I will. I will. I will. I will bring. I will break out the uh, really real shoeligan thing that we did for Starkville's House of Ale and uh, and and dub the the uh, the really the geeky listener or something like that. I'll think of something and it'll be funny and it'll be good. So, uh, so if you know, if, if you can help out with that, please do right now, as it stands, if you want to listen in on the big honking show, what you do is what a lot of people have had to do is go to the website, big after they subscribed to the podcast through iTunes, go to big and, um, start to play the latest episode. Then click the download button in iTunes, even though you've subscribed. You, know, you don't, I mean, do it in your little podcast window or whatever. And uh, it should, <clears throat> for some reason, it'll start downloading. So I know that some of you have asked. I've gotten emails and Twitter requests and that sort of thing about the situation. So that's kind of been the fix for most people. Otherwise, just download it directly from the site for right now. And, uh, and, if, and if something's not up in the next two or three weeks, I'm just going to scrap the feed and re- uh, resubmit the podcast to iTunes and um, and see if we can't get things rolling that way again and, and do things a little bit better this time around. So, uh, but it has been fun, and you guys, you listeners, have been a big part of that. So, that's one of the reasons I feel so bad for taking two months to get an episode out to you because you deserve better. You deserve more from me, your uh, your host. Than, than what I've given you. So um, how about that last episode with Jason and Jimmy Mack? At the top of the episode, you heard uh, their their plug for their new website, forcecast.net, forcecast.net, um, or forcecast.com. It's there. Just go back and listen to the beginning of the episode. And Jason and Jimmy Mack were so gracious to come on. We had a blast and didn't realize how much time had flown by. And just talking about Star Wars and our experience with Star Wars. And thanks to you, the listening audience, because you did send in emails and they did know who I was. And so it wasn't a big shock when I got in touch with them. Thanks to you, uh, hopefully in, in the next couple of weeks, as Clone Wars begins airing again, I'm going to get to sit in on a roundtable with those guys, and I'm really excited. These guys are just great, super nice guys. If you are remotely a Star Wars fan, you need to be listening to the Force cast. If, you're, if you just like good um, <clears throat> fun and, and you like well-produced podcasts, I, I challenge you to check out the Force cast. I think you'll be fine. You, you'll find that you enjoy what these guys put out. So... Uh, check them out. Also, you know what? I want to give a real quick shout-out. I've had several personal appearances in the past two months on some other shows. Number one, Flicks. Man, a couple of weeks back, I sat down with Jason and Dan over at the Flicks podcast, 
and uh, just iTunes flicks. They've done two episodes since I've been on with them because they are good podcasters. Um, and I was on with those guys. And those guys, number one, they have fun with the movies they talk about. They're very honest with the movies they talk about. You know, they don't claim to be super movie experts, but they love movies and they have a good time together. And uh, and they have said some incredible things about me. They, in fact, they they've probably some of the good stuff they've said about me has probably been lies. I mean, that that's how good they talk about me. But uh, check them out. I did an episode with them on Star Wars, and we got to talking about a million other things. Um, and so uh, we recorded all that stuff, and, and Jason released the Star Wars episode, and then he released kind of an uncut or an unplugged. He called it Steve Unplugged, where we just got to talk about everything from G.I. Joe to Smallville to comic books and right back around to Star Wars. We had a blast that night and I was up to like 3 30 in the morning talking to those guys but it was so much fun and I appreciate them having on then uh my good friend David Huey who does a Doctor Who podcast if you're a Doctor Who fan uh you should check out Who on Who now Dave does a lot of classic his thing is he reviews classic Doctor Who DVDs so he's not just talking about the stories that are on there and 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 the and the merits of those things but he's he's talking about the DVDs themselves, the special features, how they hold up, what kind of quality, you know, the picture quality, the sound quality, all that stuff. And he does a very thorough and good job, and he and he reaches out to several people to bring in on the podcast, and he, and he actually tries to reach out across the pond to a lot of his British listeners who are in the midst of the Doctor Who hype more than we've ever been in America. And so uh, he had me on, and he didn't even have me on to talk Doctor Who. He just had me on to talk about my projects and, and what's going on with my podcast and that was on uh his caves of andrazati review so go you can find that that's h-o-o on who w-h-o who on who uh over at itunes just do a search for it and and you'll find it also there's a podcast if you're a fan of the star wars expanded universe there's a podcast out there called the expanded re or the unknown regions a star wars eu podcast uh these guys have reached out to me before and and really they sent me an email and said hey could you listen to the show and tell us how we can improve things okay and number one no one's got any business asking me how to do a better job on a show because i mean hello listen to me number two number dos if you will um they did get that they read my email to them on on the on their show and and again some guys who said some incredible the thing is if you say nice things about me on your show and you let me know you say nice things about me on your show I'll plug your show because I you know I'm just that much of a of a um well I can't really say what that is on a family friendly podcast but uh but yeah they they really did and they do a good job one of them sounds remarkably like Ray Romano in fact I'm convinced that it is Ray Romano doing the podcast and I'm sure he gets that all the time but these guys what they do is they take a, a particular piece of um Star Wars EU they did the Knights of the Old Republic now they've mo- more recently done the Darth Bane books and uh, and they and they kind of tell you what happened. It's a very well produced podcast. They've got a good sound. They use a lot of uh, music from the expanded universe. Their opening theme is the Force Unleashed music, um, and they do a really solid job. They're very thorough in what they do, and they and they've gotten to where they'll have a good time and loosen up early on the podcast. And so, they're definitely worth a listen, especially if you're into the Star Wars expanded universe, because. Um, 
you know, there, there has been, if you're a big Star Wars fan and you do listen to the Force cast, there has been some a lot of controversy surrounding the EU as of late, especially with Karen Travis stepping away from writing in this, in this world because of um, some things that didn't mesh with what she was writing, and she just felt like it was too much work to try to retcon or try to bend her stuff into what is being done now in the Clone Wars series. And, it, you know, I'm sure there might have been some animosity there, but it never felt like anyone was throwing darts at anybody or anything. But uh, because of some things that have been said about the expanded universe, the Star Wars expanded universe on the Force cast, uh, Jimmy Mack and Jason were commenting. And Jason, you know, I'll be honest with you, Jason and I at this point in our Star Wars fandom have kind of the same view of the expanded universe where we're glad it's there we enjoy it but we don't need it the same way we did about mm, 14 15 you know years ago when timothy zahn first released heir to the empire and we feel like the star wars saga and and that franchise is so important and so special that you know, maybe a book a year. We you don't need to see as many Star Wars books on the shelf as you do Star Trek books. And so, and and what the EU does, or or what Jay, uh, what Rob and Jay do on, guys, I'm sorry, I should have wrote your names down before I did this because I'm an idiot. Uh, what what the guys at Unknown Regions do is 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 they're so reverential to the expanded universe, and and it's obviously something they're passionate about. And so you're not going to hear a lot of the controversy stuff on their podcast. You're, they're, they're very honest about what they like and what they don't like in the, in the EU, and, um, and, and they do a good job. So go check those guys out, uh, the Unknown Regions. Again, the Unknown Regions, you can find them on iTunes. So thank you to everyone who has who's really been just a big supporter of Geek Out Loud in the past few months because you guys have kind of kept the flame alive while I've kind of fallen off. Another reason that you haven't seen me around is because I'm now the sole host of Starkville's House of Ale. Derek stepped away uh, from the microphone as it pertains to podcasting, and he is muchly missed over at Starkville's House of Ale, and we've gone to kind of a brave and the bold format there. If you enjoyed my conversation with Brian Austin Green here on Geek Out Loud, uh, tune into the next episode. Brian's going to be with us talking about his appearance uh, as John Corbin slash Metallo in, uh, in in the most recent Smallville episode that will be airing this Friday night. So go check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. Brian is always a fun time to talk with. It's Jay and Tom, not Jay and Rob. Jay and Tom of the Unknown Regions. Um, but definitely go check uh, go check uh, the Starkville's House of L out. We're having a good time. We're bringing in different hosts from different podcasts over there and different parts of uh, Starkville's House of L behind the scenes dumb. And so, uh, so go check that out and 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 show Shu some love because Shu has fallen under attack as of late. But you can hear all about that. Over on over on Starkville's House of Hell. Well, as promised, we've gone on for 15 minutes now, and I've not done anything that I need to do because, as promised, uh, let's just jump into some emails. email comes from victoria and she says hello steve first time listener and emailer and fellow podcaster actually i know you from starkville's house of l and i've decided to check out your show and the first episode i heard was on film scores i love film scores and i collect them 
I wanted to ask if you have the complete recordings of the Lord of the Rings trilogy scores by Howard Shore. I know you mentioned the Lord of the Rings soundtracks in your show, but you really haven't heard them until you've heard the complete recordings. I do have all three of the complete recordings of the Lord of the Rings. Now, these were three or four disc sets that were released uh, not too long ago. They're very expensive, hard to find uh, anywhere. If you can eBay a cheap copy, I would suggest you do it, especially if you love good music. As I said on that episode, Howard Shore did an amazing job with Lord of the Rings. The music is so beautiful and so wonderful and so intense when it needs to be and so lighthearted when it needs to be and and so foreboding when it needs to be. And and it's just a great, great piece of music, great, great score to all three movies. No, there is not one of those movies that has a, a lesser score. Those scores are all incredible. Anyway, she says, I've just started collecting older film scores, and one that I think you should check out is the most recent recording of the score for El Cid. It's one of the most glorious, rousing, and beautiful film scores ever made, in my opinion. It rivals the Lord of the Rings scores and the Star Wars film scores. Nothing rivals the Star Wars film scores. Get the limited edition re-recording as it is the utmost quality and contains the entire score instead of bits and pieces of it. You can even preview tracks on this site. That's www.progorchestras.com forward slash L Sid. Sid spelled with a C. C-I-D. Um, <clears throat> film scores that I own that I recommend, she says, Predator. Wow. Predator has a good score. Who did Predator? Someone let me know. Uh, Solaris. I'm not familiar with Solaris. Signs is a great score. Signs is a very has a very classic Alfred Hitchcocky type feel to it. And it and it's very much just a three note thing that is just done incredibly well throughout the whole um throughout the whole movie. And so yeah, Signs was a great score. Merchant of Venice, The Born Supremacy Supremacy. The Born Supremacy which a lot of people have suggested Gladiator, which I know someone suggested, and Conan the Barbarian. I don't know if I've spoken to you guys since I, or even mentioned on the podcast, but I think I did finally tell you that I watched Conan the Barbarian. I'll be honest with you, I need just to hear that score. I need to pick it up and just listen to the music because the movie didn't do much for me at all. That's just a few I have. Great show. I really enjoyed hearing you talk about your favorite film scores with the music in the background. I saw Dragonheart some years ago and enjoyed the movie, but I never paid much attention to the film score. I'm going to check it out. Thanks for a great show, Victoria. Thank you, Victoria, for a great email. And I would say go check out Dragonheart score. Definitely go check out the Dragonheart score because that is definitely worth checking out. Uh, This comes from James. He says, first, I have to say I'm hooked on Geek Out Loud. I went back and downloaded several more of the podcast, and boy, did the flood of memories roar out. The reason for my second email to you is the foolish proclamation that you've uttered several times. The 80s had the greatest toys. What? Really now? You have got to be kidding. First off, for the record, I'm a few years older than you, so my major toy years took place in the mid to late 70s. So, Your Honor, if it pleases the court, may I present into evidence the following. Exhibit A, rolling up the sleeve of the arm of Colonel Steve Austin. Notice the bionic arm. Notice the circuitry of the movable arm. Look, what I can see what Colonel Austin sees looking through the bionic eye. All right, I see your Colonel Steve Austin bionic man toy, and I raise you... Oh, Optimus Prime. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, exhibit B, I pull out my large black mobile G.I. Joe, not G.I. Joe. 
mobile command camper with my Evil Knievel stunt trailer hooked to the back. Look as I pull out my action figures of Evil Knievel, Captain James T. Kirk, Aquaman, Jim Kelly, black karate expert from the 70s, and two SWAT team members from my mobile command camper. I wonder if any Thundercats will be riding in Wild Bill, Bill's Cobra helicopter. Can't put Duke, Duke in the Cab of Optimus Prime, huh? If I wanted to... I could even take, if I wanted, I could take Evil Knievel's helmet, boots, and uniform and put on the Captain T. Kirk and put him on my stunt cycle, and he could make that same courageous jump of death or the gorge. Then I could put Knievel in the bridge of the Enterprise. I don't see He-Man or Luke swapping out weaponry. You know what the 80s did? They took the lovable, indestructible metal Tonka dump truck and made it into plastic. Actually, I defy you on that, sir. I don't think that was done until the 90s. With three little red buttons making noise, that was the 90s. It's a Tonka trunk. It's supposed to haul pounds of dirt, mud, and rock, not make noise, and break apart on the first haul. All right, I see your um, Evil Knievel mobile camper uh, and trailer, or whatever that is, and I raise you bridge layer and, um, and the Havoc and uh, the Millennium Falcon. I give you Castle Grayskull. Uh, I give you Snake Mountain. Uh, I will now present to you the Terradrome. I'll present to you the flag, the USS flag, the coffee table, uh, as some people have called it. You know, the Holy Grail for a lot of G.I. Joe collectors. I never had one. Um, so there you go, pal. I mean, I think that, uh, that I got you beat. Now, granted, you couldn't take He-Man and put him in the Millennium Falcon, but why would you, really? Who wants He-Man flying the Millennium Falcon? What you could do, though, is have He-Man wonder, why are these people so small here on Eternia? and have them interact with those people. I often had different Star Wars people interact with my Transformers because it was a great crossover, Cybertron meeting with that galaxy far, far away. I had Transformers interact with He-Man. Of course you had Transformers interact with G.I. Joe. Could you put them in the cabs and the cars? No, you couldn't, but you know what? It still worked. It was a good time. I submit, if you would have, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's whatever part of the... Wherever you were a child of, that's that's the toys that you had the most fun with. But I can't get behind those 70s toys. Mego, maybe. I might give you Mego toys uh, with, with not much to raise there other than the superpowers team and the secret wars with all the little shields. But, uh, hey, what, what you going to do, buddy? What you going to do, James? Uh, he says, my top favorite superhero movies. Number one, Iron Man. When I close my mind uh, and imagine... When I close my eyes, rather, not close my mind... Free your mind. You don't be so shallow. When I close my mind and imagine what I, what my Iron Man comic book would look like live action, thank you, John Favreau. Thank you. Number two, Dark Knight. Dang, Chris Nolan, you go, boy. Number three, Daredevil. Love me some Kingpin. I love the Kingpin in Daredevil as well. Michael Clark Duncan was a fabulous choice for Kingpin. And I know there's kind of buzz and rumor that maybe Fox will be remaking Daredevil after the whole Marvel buyout of Disney and that sort of thing. I mean, the Disney buyout of Marvel. And uh, just to kind of hold on to that property to keep the movies coming. But uh, I tell you what, I don't think you could ever, ever cast anyone better than Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. Number four, Superman. As the brother said when Soups flew by... Dude, check out those fly threads. Actually, what the brother said was, Say, Jim, woo! That's a bad outfit! Woo! And then number five, Dark Man, the Sam Raimi cult classic. I don't know much about Dark Man. Can't speak to that. Remember, Steve, it's not Autobots roll out. It's Weebles Wobble, but they never, ever, ever fall down. <laughs> 
Weevils do wobble but never fall down. I, weevils kind of were in the 80s, too. We had Weevils. Come on now. Uh, but it is Autobots roll out. Love me some Transformers. George Truly, James James. Thank you for that walk down memory lane with the 70s toys. I'm just, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. What can I say? What can I say? This one comes from Jeff. He says, Big Hogan in training. He saws himself. He says, I'm proud to be part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. I got hooked on Geek Out Loud through Shoe. I was listening to your most recent episode about movie scores and wanted to see what you thought about the score for Hook. I love this movie, and the score is bangerang. I was also wondering if you ever watched the cartoon The Centurions. I'm a child of the 80s and loved Voltron, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and pretty much anything that was on during that time. If you're ever in Nashville, Tennessee, feel free to look me up. Keep up the good work. And that comes from Jeff in Nashville, Tennessee. Jeff, I too was a child of the 80s. I do remember The Centurions. For those of you who don't know what The Centurions were, these were guys who had these crazy power suits that they would hook things that things kind of connected to. And in the cartoon, you had one that was land, air, one that was land, one that was air, and one that was sea. But the thing about the toys is these things would interchange. I forget who their villain was, but I definitely have the, the memory of kind of the peg holes all over their body that the different pieces of equipment would plug into on those Centurion suits. But, um, but yeah, that, I do remember that. I just wasn't ever really big into it, uh, even though I did watch the cartoon. Uh, this one comes from... Um, Jacqueline. Jacqueline says, Hey Steve, my name is Jacqueline. I'm from Gainesville, Florida, home of the Gators. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm sorry. When whenever a bulldog fan has to be nice to a gator fan, and vice versa, you know it's true, Jack. Just it's hard to happen. I came across the world of podcasts when looking for something to entertain myself on my five-hour drive from home to school and back over long weekends. And your episode, It's a Lady, caught my eye. Yes, we are out there. Your dance party podcast saved me from insanity when I was delayed for an hour by construction. I really wanted to tell some of the other folks stuck in traffic with me to just dance, but I think... <laughs> I just imagine a girl rolling down her window, like and not not with the not a button, like a like a manual crank window, like rolling her down the window. Hey, hey over there, hey you, you throwing something at the window. Just dance, just dance. That's fine. Just dance. Uh, <laughs> I'd tell you about my geek cred, but that would take far too long. My point, I wanted to respond to your most recent podcast about movie scores. So here it is, my top ten favorite movie scores not mentioned in the podcast in no particular order. Uh, the Godfather by Nina Rota. I'm surprised this one was not mentioned. It's absolutely amazing, and I refuse to pick a favorite track. The Godfather, I've got to watch that again. It's been about a year since I saw The Godfather, and that was the first time I watched it. And uh, But I do know it has a very iconic score. The Chronicles of Narnia by Hegery, Harry Gregson Williams. Harry, 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 Harry Greg, Hegery. Hegery, 
Degary Doc. Harry Gregson Williams. It's very similar in style to Lord of the Rings, but it has a flair all its own, especially during the sequences in London. My favorite track, The Blitz, 1940. For those of you non-history people, it's basically the bombing of Britain in World War II and sets the movie rolling. My favorite track is the one right after that when they're on the train. Uh, I just... the That is a really good score, and I prefer even the Prince Caspian score over... Um, over the line, the witch in the wardrobe, the holiday by, Zon, by Hans Zimmer, a chick flick to the core, but everyone can appreciate the melodies. It's worth listening to the score, even if you have no interest in seeing the movie. Bonus: Jack Black gives a rundown of some amazing scores within the movie, all of which fall into my top twenty favorites, and probably the top ten best musically speaking. Uh, her favorite track is from Maestro. Number four, James Bond. Doctor No started the theme, but pretty much every movie has some amazing title track. John Barry, I'm pretty sure he's the one they decided to actually wrote the theme. Uh, there's been some controversy. Uh, what's good, or that's that's who they're saying is by. What good is a spy without a theme song? It really swings. It really does, and it is a classic, iconic one as well. Ice Age, The Meltdown, David Powell. No, really, listen to the score without the movie. It's epic, it's scary, it's fun. The musical director gives a nod to a Broadway classic, Oliver, and a ballet, Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. In a kid's movie, what more do you want? Number six, Schindler's List by John Williams. As much as I dislike mentioning John Williams multiple times, it is refutable that he is brilliant. Who else can alter melody so slightly and get scores so differently? The first time I heard Schindler's List theme, it, had me, it nearly had me in tears, and that was before I knew the story behind the movie. Number seven, Pride and Prejudice, Jean-Yves Thabaudet. I'm Jean Ives, Jean Ives Thabaudet. Uh, I guess I'm pronouncing his last name right. Absolutely brilliant. It's not technically a full orchestra score, but it shouldn't be. The music is like the book, definitely intended for a specific time period, but it's still applicable and enjoyable. Favorite track, Darcy's Letter. Wally by Thomas Newman. Who says there's no sound in space? It's charming, mysterious, at some points even frightening. I'm still waiting for Pixar to create something that isn't cute. <laughs> I tell you what, Pixar, I'm just waiting on them. If you saw Up this summer, Up was cute. I mean, it had its moments of cuteness, but Up was a really sad story. I mean, it, in the first 10 minutes, you're just heartbroken. But uh, But Pixar is amazing. I mean, let's just... Let's just stop for a second and talk about what Pixar has done. Uh, Because this coming week, Toy Story and Toy Story 2 are coming to theaters in 3D. Um, You had Toy Story, A Bug's Life. Uh, Goodness gracious. What was after A Bug's Life? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Monsters, Inc. I got it. I got it. Calm down. Calm down. Monsters, Inc. Um, The Incredibles. Oh my gosh, so many good ones. Toy Story 2 was in there. Um, And that's the thing. Like, I really got nervous when Toy Story 2 came out. I'm like, well, here comes their first stinker. No, it was fantabulous. Toy Story 2 is a great movie. Uh, The Incredibles, Cars, which has been a hit with every little boy in the world. And and Cars really is a fun little movie. I enjoy Cars. Um, I really do. I think it's got some great moments, some really funny moments, and some really touching moments in it. Uh, and then, of course, Up and Wally, and all of their short films. I mean, this is a company that right now, and I don't know if they ever will do any wrong. So, oh, Finding Nemo is in there as well. Number nine, Finding Nemo. <laughs> 
another Thomas Newman creation, but John Williams isn't the only composer who needs to be mentioned multiple times. Newman showed us that not only mermaids can use underwater soundtracks. Uh, number 10, the Thomas Crown Affair, Fair, Bill Conti, stellar modern light jazzy score. You discuss speaking with your band director friend about how much music has changed in recent years. And while this music shows that change, it's still relevant, and I think it adds to the charm of the movie. Not actually a film score, she says. Johann de May wrote a symphony based off the Lord of the Rings novels before the movies came out. I believe it premiered in 88. For anyone who's a fan of the orchestral music or Lord of the Rings, it's a must-listen. If you remember The Sorcerer's Apprentice from Fantasia, it's the same composer. I am familiar with this piece of work. I'm not super familiar with it that I could start humming it, but it is pretty amazing. And he does, a, and that was a fine, fine film score. In fact, I was kind of surprised when Fellowship of the Rings came out that it was Howard Shore doing it, and, I, and I'm not familiar enough to know if there are any homages to that piece, because there really should be, because it is such a great work. Um, that's all I'm going to say about myself today. I could probably talk much music longer than you, Steve, can talk about Star Wars. I'll take you up on that. Keep up entertaining and providing a safe place to geek out. Jacqueline, a member of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Jacqueline, thank you, and... Um, I don't want to talk football too much, but uh, it looks like it's going to be another rough year for the dogs down in Jacksonville. This one comes from uh, Ethan. Ethan says, hey, Steve, just writing in with my top 10 supervillains. Anyway, here's the list. Number 10, the Toy Man. Being 13 and having played with a lot of toys a couple of years back. Oh, come on, Ethan. You're still playing with toys, buddy. That's fun. That's fun. This guy's pretty scary to me. Number nine, the Riddler, a guy who causes confusion. Now, that is cool. Bizarro, he answered the question of what if Superman was stupid? <laughs> the Joker, he is really, really, really scary. Gorilla God, uh, Gorilla God. The Gorilla God. Uh, gorilla Grod, he is an evil gorilla. Brainiac, I always suspected my computer was evil. Number four, General Zod, I just think he's a cool villain. Number three, Dr. Octopus, the first uh, Marvel villain in, and the only Marvel villain in his list. Mechanical Arms! Lex Luthor, he is the villain of the story. And number one, Doomsday, he killed Superman. Well, technically he didn't, but I won't get into that. Caused billions of dollars worth of destruction across the whole USA. That's why he's so awesome. He also looks the part. Thanks for the safe place to geek out. Keep up the good work. May the force be with you. Ethan, a.k.a. Geek Out Loud Superfan. Buddy, you are not a superfan. You're a super listener. So, And thanks for that. Um, this one comes from old Kratos Joe. And he says, you can call me Joe. He says, hey, Big Hawkins, just caught the Tech Difficulties episode, and it was great. You made the best out of the adversity you were handed. Thanks for reading my email. Your podcast carried me through a great workout this morning. You can call me Joe. I include Kratos because that's my username on Starkville in your forms, though I must admit I've not posted yet on your forms. I, you have now, by now, uh, Joe. So thanks for the kind words there. We can just we can stop calling him Kratos Joe and just call him Joe. Uh, let's see here. Um... This one comes from, uh, let's see, Sam. Sam says, Steve, first off, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Our generation has to stay together. 1977 all the way. Sorry if this email looks slash reads long. I was surprised to hear you stating your, your age on chapter 22 and that you're a youth pastor. All I can say is that I, uh, not to sound overly religious, but uh, I thank God for you or any thing but my heart leaped to hear a man state without stating it that he's a Christian in such a public form. Well, thanks, uh, Sam. Says, I just finished listening to chapter 30 and decided to get the last few and uh, an AM 
oh, I'm sorry, yeah, the last few in, uh, completing my enjoyment of chapter 22, I just have to say, being a child of the 80s, uh, myself, I'm right with your views. Here are my top 10 80s movies. Number 10, Karate Kid. You're the best around. Nothing's ever gonna get you down. You're the best around. Nothing's ever gonna get you down. Number 9, Aliens. May have been too young to see it, but wow. Number 8, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Number 7, Transformers, the movie. You got the touch. Hated that Optimus Prime died. Made me very sad for a long time. More on that later. Number six, Ghostbusters. Great memory of movie of this movie watching with my grandmother in an older movie theater. I didn't get to see Ghostbusters until it came out on video. And oh my gosh, what a good movie. Number five, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number four, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Indeed, that's a good Star Trek movie. I'll say it. I enjoy Star Trek IV. Number three, The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Number two, Tron. And number one, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Somebody hates Ewoks? These movies touch my imagination, heart, and soul. These movies made me question my self-worth, humanity, and what love was. So much they took the place of things I felt I should have received from my parents, but made do with the feelings I felt watching these movies. That's a little deep, sir. And, uh, wow, okay. Anyway, not to sound too serious, singing, thank you so much for what you do. I have listened to you on shoe until I decide to follow you on Geek Out Online, and now I shall listen to both semi-religiously. Uh, your valued listener, you are a valued listener, sir, Sam, up in Covington, Washington. So, hey, man, thanks uh, for the... Thanks for the, the email. Why am I singing that? Gosh. That's Big Sam. Um, let's see. And and Sam misunderstood something. He said, uh, you've never seen Legend, huh? Uh, listening to episode 23, and all I can say is don't feel bad uh, to... Don't feel too bad. I have yet to watch Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail in full. Oh, my gosh. You've got to see Monty Python. I have seen Legend. I've seen Legend many, many times. Tom Cruise in a Link outfit. That's what it is. And um, so there you go. This one comes from Mike. He says, hey, Steve, first of all, I want to thank you for putting together a fun and entertaining podcast. I feel like I'm drowning today, to be honest with you. I've got to, there's something that's got to be more entertaining than this. I just started listening about a week ago, but it's quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts. Secondly, I'm a web designer, and I noticed your forms are not display. Well, we got that fixed. We got the form things fixed, I think. Um, now to the heart of the matter. As a geek, I'm primarily into television, books, movies, and strategy, uh, strategery board games. I don't know if you're in any games, but there are a few that I really enjoy. Risk and Axis and Allies were staples of my high school years. And in college, I discovered a new game, Star Wars, Epic Duels. Knowing that you're a huge Star Wars fan, I wonder if you've ever played. It came out right around Attack of the Clones, and it allows you to pit characters from the original and prequel trilogies against each other in an open arena. You can actually pit Vader up against Anakin, Luke against Yoda, Boba against Jango, and so on. Each player controls one primary character and a helper or two, i.e. Luke and Leia or Yoda and two clones and a set of 30 cards that are used most commonly for attack and defense. The game comes with four boards and has multiple play modes. Have not played this game. The game was so much fun that I was really hoping that they would release a second version or at least an expansion pack. I don't think the game was all that popular, so I'm not surprised that it never happened. That's his words, not mine. Well, if you haven't played and are into games, I suggest you check it out. Take it easy, and thanks again for a great show. That's Mike from Buffalo. Mike, I don't know that I've ever played that game. I have some game with it's a card game kind of thing and it's got like a little pewter uh it's it came out around episode one it's got like a pewter qui-gon and a pewter uh darth maul but i've never played it i mean someone just gave it to me because like you like star wars here you go 
Uh, Joseph. Good old Seth Joe. One of our uh, admins on the forums, in fact, at geekoutpodcast.com forward slash forums. He says, hey, boss man. Hey, boss man, let me hold a dollar. Taking it off, boss. Take it off, man. Hey, boss, wiping it out. Wiping it off, man. On the last cast, you read an email from Raj where he talks about, this is how old these things are, y'all, where he talks about the movie theater where a waiter will come and take your order and you are ready to run off to Hong Kong. Well, I've got some news for you. In Austin, Texas, there's a little place called the Alamo Draft House where they have more than just waiters. How about reclining seats? A full menu, which includes an amazing cheeseburger and, of course, my favorite cold beer. He was writing, I don't really like the cold beer. I don't like beer of any kind. I watched 300 there, and let me tell you, there's nothing better than drinking a beer while watching sweaty, half-naked men paddle it out. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. What you need if you're going to have a cold beer in your hand watching 300 is a foam finger that says Sparta's number one. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, a, and a little fake spear or something like that. Well, maybe I could have found a better example, but you get my point. See you, Steve, your friendly neighborhood admin, Seth Joe. Seth Joe, thanks for that. I have heard of the Alamo Draft House, but, you know, it's Hong Kong, and it's Raj in the, in the HK from the UK. Raj from the UK in the HK. So, I mean, I, it just would have been exciting to go see him, you know? It, it would have been fun. It would have been nice. Uh, this one comes from James... He says, hey, Steve, what's up? I'm emailing to ask if you know anything about the two websites, Jimmy's Truth to Power and Lois Lane Reports. I've been checking them frequently, and I'm not sure whether this is a fan-made thing or it's a viral marketing done by DC and Six Flags. Can you clear this up for me? I looked into it, and it looks like a viral marketing thing. I would also like to hear your thoughts on shows like Charmed, Saving Grace, and Roswell, and some more discussion of The Watchmen, the movie, and the book. I heard you say in an early episode that you did not like the book as much as everyone else did, or something else to that degree. Can you explain why you didn't like it so much? Also, could you give me your thoughts on Kingdom Come? I, for one, absolutely love it. I love the writing, and especially being an artist, I love the art. Alex Ross is one of my favorite artists ever. And he included some great paintings. He does one of Clark from, um, from Smallville, and, uh, and they look really good. And so I, I never wrote you back, James, but I do. And he, does one of, he has one of Superman, and they really they do look great. Let's see what these others are here. Um, there's one of the Joker, Heath Ledger's version of the Joker that looks really cool. And, um, and then another Joker that looks really good. He is very talented. He does a great job with the paints there. Okay, let's address your things real quickly. Charmed, Saving Grace, and Roswell. Haven't watched any of them. Watchmen, the movie and the book. Uh, pretty soon there'll be a blog out uh, written by Casey about Watchmen. She didn't enjoy it, and I have to say I agree with her. I didn't enjoy it because I didn't enjoy the movie. Now here, I was very impressed with the movie. Uh, Zack Snyder and crew did something that um, should have been impossible, and that was make a very faithful adaptation of a very much loved comic series, later called a graphic novel. Um, much to Alan Moore's chagrin, I think. And, and you know, and the thing is, because they took out a, a big part of the ending, uh, you know, Alan Moore will be able to always complain that they didn't get it right. And he has a valid point. However, here's the thing about Watchmen. Now, Watchmen is not something for kids in the comic book form or on the movie screen. It is not for kids at all. Here's my problem with the Watchmen comics, okay? I love superheroes. Absolutely love superheroes. I love the idea of hope. I love the idea of 
someone fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. I love the idea of um, having amazing powers and abilities and doing something good with them and really desiring to do something good with them. I love the way that Stan Lee crafted so many of his heroes in a little bit of a tragic light. Uh, Peter Parker comes to mind right off the bat as Spider-Man, who after you know the death of his uncle, he did what anyone would do with powers. He went to go make money, and, and the death of his uncle prodded him to do something greater as far as his life goes. You know, and he understood that with great power comes this great responsibility, and that's you know that is the preachiness of Spider-Man. The Fantastic Four, you know, has an aspect about them. It's all about family, but they're flawed. You know, Ben Grimm is is the thing carries the weight of just his low now self-esteem with him because of the way he looks and the way he doesn't fit in. Uh, Reed Richards carries with him an obsession over science and discovery that that is rivaled almost by his love for his wife. But I, I do think that having to pick between the two, um, as much as he loves Sue, that sometimes you wonder if science would not come first. Sue Storm has this the the motherly aspect about her that she wants to shake off. She wants to be... I think a lot of times when you read Sue, if we're deconstructing the character, there's something in Sue that may want to be less of your classic uh, woman than what she is, but she's the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. Uh, and, 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 and though she realizes that, she's also... And it's so fitting that that type of power would be put into someone with that type of compassion... And, and that type of um, love, but her, her ability came because she felt like she was the invisible me- member of that little family. The hothead Johnny Storm, who quite frankly, were it not for the reigning in of Reed and Sue, would just go off and be the big superstar, and they've started to make him that now in the comics. Uh, you take Superman, who was raised by this kind couple, you know, who raised him with morals and values to do the right thing and to use his powers to help mankind. You take someone like Batman, whose whose origin is forged in the childhood tragedy, and he's just bound to determine this will never happen to another child again on my watch, and, and he absolutely despises crime and hates crime, and he goes after the most vile of criminals. You take Green Lantern, who the man with no fear, and I'm referring to the Hal Jordan Green Lantern here, who so many times, you know, just would barrel in head first and and so the you know most of our favorite heroes are flawed and they because to make a person real you have to make them flawed but i have a hard time believing that every single person who ever has powers will end up being so depraved and and that's not to say that every member of the watchman is depraved or every the and watchman's not even a team it's not to say that every character in the watchman is depraved it is to say that they are so flawed, and they never redeem themselves from their flaws. And it's a very bleak story. And, and, and when I got through reading it, I was just like, really? This is, this is what we're left with. This is what we're stuck with here is, is the bleakness of this. It's more than a deconstruction of the superhero genre. It, it's almost one man's uh, fiery volley against the superhero genre. And, and so I just did not enjoy it. Now, having said that, it is a genius work. To read Watchmen is is something that you have to chew on, you have to think about, and when you're through reading it and you hear other people talk about it, the layers just begin to open up to this story. It is an amazing story, but I just can't say that I absolutely enjoy it. Kingdom, Kingdom Come is sort of like that, um, with the exception of it actually kind of has a happy ending, you know? I mean, Kingdom Come is is the book in which we get to see Batman and Superman hug. 
It is Kingdom Come is an amazing work. The story is so compelling. Is is what down the road? What happens to these heroes as the world changes and they refuse to? What happens when Wonder Woman just lets go and becomes the warrior that she has to be? You know what happens to Superman in the midst of all of this? And Kingdom Come is a Superman story. Uh, make no mistake about it that Superman is at the center of this Kingdom Come story, and it's how he deals with changing times. and And that is a fantastic, fantastic book. And Alex Ross did an amazing job with that. So. You can have, as an artist, James, you could have a lot worse uh, inspirations than one Alex Ross. I think he's amazing. This one comes from Nathan. He says, hi, my name's Nate, 16 from the UK, and I'm emailing to say thank you so much for discussing movie scores because even though I liked scores long before this podcast, I found a whole new love for them after I bought the Transformers score and listened to the Arrival to Earth track. One word, phenomenal. Among other scores I have, a lot of them actually being from TV shows such as the Sarah Connor Chronicles and Heroes, the Transformers score is really outstanding. Now do you see how the title was so fitting? Yeah, he said thank you. The title, the subject line of his podcast was thank you, or of his email was uh, thank you so much. Side note, I was listening to your podcast on my laptop and my brother walked past and asked what I was listening to. And it was subconscious that I didn't realize it was Geek Out Loud, the official podcast of Geek Out Online. So for the <laughs> thanks for the greatest podcast in the universe. Long time listener since you, sir, don't feel you deserve fans, Nate. I don't deserve fans, Nate, and I'm okay with that. Listen, I'm not a celebrity, all right? Go be a fan of Brian Austin Green. Go be a fan of Tom Welling. Go be a fan of Mark Hamill. Go be a fan of, of George Lucas. Go be a fan of, um, you know, Brandon Routh. Um, these are names just popping in my head. Go be a fan of these people who work, and, and that's their job, is to get fans. Go be a fan of a sports team. I don't deserve fans. I just have listeners, and I appreciate every single one of you, by the way. Uh, this comes from Mike. He, great interview with BAG. He says, Steve, thanks for another great episode of Geek Out Loud. You really got me hooked on this podcast. I heard about it from Skynext, of course. I've been trying to go back and listen to all the episodes I missed. I just listened to the two Star Wars episodes, and I thought they were so much fun. Like yourself, Star Wars was the vehicle that truly launched me into geekdom. My introduction into Star Wars was kind of a strange one. When I was 10, which was 1994, my family went to Walt Disney World where I happened upon the Star Tours ride. I was so awestruck by the experience that I immediately rented the original trilogy as soon as I got back from vacation. It turned out to be an awesome time to get into Star Wars because the resurgence was gaining a lot of momentum. I didn't have to wait long before I got access to tons of awesome action figures, books, and ultimately the special editions and prequels. My younger brother got into Star Wars with me and I have a lot of fond memories from that time. It also turns out that most of my friends have been holding out on me and were already fans. I remember seeing the special editions with friends, and for Attack of the Clones, we actually gathered eight guys together, including my chemistry teacher, and journeyed an hour to the nearest decent theater to see it on opening day, after school, of course. I guess I should also mention that I really enjoyed the interview with Brian Austin Green. It was so weird thinking of him as a geek, but it was really cool, too. I thought he was awesome as Derek Reese, and I desperately hope the show gets another season. And as we know now, it did not. Thanks for providing such an entertaining podcast. Take it easy, Mike, from Buffalo. Mike, thank you for the email, sir. I've never gotten to ride Star Tours, and now they're getting ready to scrap it and revamp it down there in Disney World. Can you believe I've been to Disney World like once in my life, and that was for like grad night when I was a senior? They have a thing down there where you can go where they take where seniors go on one night, and they have the park open all night. And, oh, my gosh, there were kids from all over the states, uh, from Georgia and Florida there, and it was just so packed. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who was there. In con they have concerts. 
And I can't remember. I remember I went and saw Dead Eye Dick like three times that night. <laughs> because I want to say it was like 98 degrees was the main. And I'm like, mm, I'm not into the 98 degrees. I'll go see Dead Eye Dick. And Dead Eye Dick is most famous for the song uh, from Dumb and Dumber. Mary Moon, she's a vegetarian. Mary Moon, Mary Moon. Um, so, yeah, but I, I've never been to, and I've got some friends now who are Disney geeks. And um, and so they're, uh, they're really wanting me to go down to, they're like, you've got to go to Disney World. I'm like, okay. Uh, this one comes from Corey. Hey, Steve, my, name's, my name is Corey. I'm from Dixon, Tennessee. I just finished listening to the Brian Austin Green app, and wow, sir, I was so amazed at how laid back and comfortable he is talking and of what a geek at heart he is. Great app, just blown away by the great conversation and laid back talk. Super nice guy. I've been listening to the podcast for some time now. First emailer, woohoo! First time emailer, woohoo! A while back, and you and Derek on Shoe had mentioned the Jeff Johns arc in action. I just picked those up, and I was really happy I took your advice. Jeff Johns is a true comic book talent and a great writer. As I also went, as I also exposed him, exposed to him through the Legion Ep of Smallville. Keep up the great job you do, and that's uh, from Corey. Corey, buddy, um, I got in trouble for this one time, so I'm just going to say. Punctuation, capitalization. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. This is from Sam again. And um, Sam says, I was pleased to see the newest Geek Out Loud podcast two days before my birthday. And this was way back in May. I was wondering if you could do a shout out to me on the next goal you tape. Something along the lines of happy birthday, Sam in Seattle. Happy birthday, Sam in Seattle, back in May. It was a wonderful podcast and one worthy of me saying to myself, Happy birthday, Sam. Steve and Derek remembered. I know you guys don't know me from Adam, but I listen to you so much it feels like I know you both. Anyways, thanks again for a great podcast and keep it up. Oh, and what's up with the new The Touch song? Stan should just kept the old version. Your friend in the force and avid listener from the greatest podcast audience in the universe. Dare I say fan? No, you dare not. Sam in Seattle. Okay, not Seattle, just a suburb. Um, Sam, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. The, the new Touch song really grows on you. If you'll give it a chance and listen to it, you know, you because the old version is, you got the touch, you got the power. And he revamped it, really trying to get this song in the Transformers movie. And I don't blame him at all. And uh, and now it kind of it's got a it's got a more of a Lincoln Park kind of feel. And when he comes in, of course, like you got the touch, you got the power. Mm. When all hell's breaking loose, you're at the eye of the storm. Yeah, I really like. I mean, I dig it. I, it's not the classic touch, I know, but but I still dig it and and appreciate. Man, Stan was so cool to come on the show. This one comes from Brandon. This is Brandon from Brandon Who from Well, I don't think you know me, and I think I'm a first time emailer. Woohoo! And fellow Southerner, actually in Georgia. On your latest episode, you said that you feel alone defending Star Wars. Sir, you are not alone. I will stand up and help you defend the galaxy far, far away with a lightsaber and the force. Brandon's a Jedi. So if you ever find yourself in a corner by yourself, if you ever find yourself in a corner by yourself, if you ever find yourself in a corner by yourself, we've got to have a dance party, people. You hear me? I'm singing so much tonight. We've got to have a dance party, um, which I can call the fake. I'll, oh, wait a second. Um, if you ever find yourself in a corner by yourself in the future, you have a friend to call on. I almost forgot. You helped inspire my podcast, which I call the Fake Geek Out Loud. That's not the name, of course. That would be silly. But thanks for reading. See you, Steve. 
Brandon, thank you so much for not plugging your podcast in the email. I, you know, a lot of the podcasts I listen to and people do that, it's like, stop plugging yourself. Even though I'm like the king of plugging myself. I know I am. I really know I am. But uh, Brandon, email me and let me know what your podcast is, and, and I will give you, a, give you a shout out, give you a plug so people can know where to find you. So uh, thank you, Brandon, for backing me up. Um, the <laughs> Uh, I don't. I think I put it in one of the last. This Jen Abrams um, wrote me and was giving me an idea for for a shirt with me and Brian Austin Green on the front, a la Chewy and uh, Big Honk and uh, or Chewy and Brian Austin Green, Chewy and C three O. This is now the part of the podcast for people who suffer from um, word salad. tablecloth baseball bat golf ball ping pong beach sand ocean water um and those were all completely related uh <laughs> no uh the brian and i talked about i, I said i'd go out and he could kind of climb on you know stand behind me and people he's like well i'll get on your back like chewy like 3po and chewy and the empire and someone sent us a photoshop of a statue and it was hilarious and and Whoever you were, I want you to know that I sent that to Brian. I sent that picture on over to Brian, and he thought it was funny, too. So um, thank you for that. This one, this is another one from Kratos Joe. He says, it is you that has the power. Awesome interview with Stan Bush. It made me realize how much I love Transformers. I remember the moment when they started killing main characters off, and my jaw was on the floor. I just bought Guitar Hero World Tour for the Wii. I ran home yesterday after listening to your interview, and there... There it was in the download section of the game. I downloaded it and rocked it karaoke style. I'm no Stan Bush. Keep it up, Big Honk, until all are one. Kratos Joe. I, too, did a little uh, the touch on Guitar Hero World Tour. It went, because I'm not good at the guitar part, and I can't do the drums to save my life. But let me tell you something. I'll, t- I'll grab that mic and sing like it's nobody's business. <laughs> and I put on a show. I just, I think, you know, I'm like, it's it's not fun just to sit here and go. You got the touch, you got the. I mean, I, the mic's up. I'm striking the rock and roll poses. I am everything that they show you to be on the uh, on the commercials. This one comes from Chris. He says, "New listener, first time emailer. Woohoo, Steve! I've been listening to your show for a few months now, and I love it. I don't remember how I heard about your show, but here are a few other geek podcasts that I listen to." And he goes on to a few geek podcasts. He says, "I may or may not." Have heard about your uh, about your show through one of them. Let me see. I doubt it. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, I've really enjoyed your show and wanted to send you a geek out. I remember many of the same shows and movies that you mentioned from the '80s. So to hear you talk about them on your show just brings back some fun memories. Which reminds me, I love the music you use throughout your show. It creates such an energy in the show, and it's great. My wife and I find joy in sharing some of those TV shows and movies with our four children when appropriate. My wife is a sci-fi geek as well, but she's not into podcasts at all. Uh, well, let me... Hey, Chris in Florida, let me um, let me suggest something for you. I have a lot of guys who tell me, my wife's just not in the podcast, and then they hear me. I don't know what it is about the dulcet tones of Big Honk and Steve, but she'll enjoy it. And I mean, like, the, for some reason, the ladies like me, and they shouldn't because I'm not likable. I'm not. I'm not a ladies' man at all, ladies. So, and I am taken now, ladies. So, you know, and maybe that just maybe that ups the appeal. I don't know. Could someone please email me and let me know how that works? Um, 
The new Star Trek film in theaters is the first Star Trek movie I've ever seen. Oh, wait, let me back up. I heard you may be working on a local radio show, and I was wondering, what does Big Hogan do for a living? I work from home as a web designer, so I get to listen to podcasts while I'm working on more mundane tasks. Hey, Chris in Florida, you heard my call for people who know what they're talking about. Get in touch with me. Uh, the new Star Trek film in theaters is the first Star Trek movie I've seen. He says, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Thank you, sir. My collection resides in a display case in my office. He says, I've got a Star Wars room. <laughs> but I was never drawn into Star Trek. Can't blame you. I have a friend who's a Star Trek fan, though, and we decided to go see this new film together. I think it was a great movie, so much so that I'm now working on watching all the other Star Trek movies. Don't do it. I've watched Wrath of Khan and The Undiscovered Country so far, but none of us compared to Star Wars movies. Go, Chris. Go, Chris. Um, I have no idea what that was, but I'm just ecstatic to say thank you for saying that. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, not that they try to. I get, you know, I guess they don't. I guess the thing is, is ultimately, Star Trek and Star Wars don't try to compare themselves to one another. It is the fans that do that. Um, I truly enjoy the characters and star and storyline of Star Wars much more. I'm also looking forward to the G.I. Joe movie coming this summer. I'm cautiously excited about this movie. The trailer looks awesome, and I'm really hoping that it'll be rated PG so that I can actually take my children to enjoy the kids' movie based on the toys, unlike Michael Bay Transformers movies. Don't misunderstand, please. My wife and I love the Transformers movie, but very disappointed we cannot enjoy it with our children. And I totally see where you're coming from there, Chris. As I mentioned earlier, we enjoy sharing some of the classic movies with our children, so we do own the original Transformers animated movies, and my boys will be again singing You Got the Touch as they're playing Running Around the House. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. That's it for today, says Chris in Florida. So Chris, thank you for listening. Okay, let me, I guess this is a proper time to do it. Um, since Chris brought it up, let's do the summer wrap-up really quick. Transformers, well, Star Trek. I think I've talked about Star Trek, had a chance to talk about Star Trek on the podcast. I, I know I did a review for it on, on geekoutonline.com. I did get my review for that up. Here's the thing. When I, I went into Star Trek, I didn't get to see any movies on opening day this past summer. And when Star Trek comes on, I'd seen all these reviews. I'd heard all these people saying, take that, Star Wars. This is Even one of my friends said, this is what Star Wars wishes it was. And, and I was really kind of like, is this going to be that good? Is, is Star Trek going to blow my socks off in such a way that, uh, that I'm just going to have to stop, stop talking about how cool Star Wars is and how, how much cooler Star Wars is than Star Trek? The answer is no. It did not do that. I loved it. I really did enjoy it. I thought it was great, but it still was Star Trek to me. And, you know, there were a few things I had. I felt like J.J. Abrams had just gone for a full-on reboot. I don't know that there was any point in doing a, um, other than appeasing the Star Trek fans, other than appeasing the Trekkies, I don't know that there was any point in doing this whole we're on a skewed-off timeline now because to me that feels a little cheap. Because now it's like, I don't know, I just didn't like that. I would have rather seen J.J. Um, Abrams' version of Star Trek coming to fruition with all these new characters and these new roles, in, in, these, in these classic roles, and I think that would have been a little bit more gutsy. And I think it would have been just as well-received because it was a great movie. It really, really was. Um, in fact, as much as I hate to say it, it might have been the best movie of the summer, and it came out first. Uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. The first time I saw this movie, I walked out of the... And again, it's not something I got to see on opening day. 
went to see it with some friends uh, or with a friend who's a Transformers fan from the 80s. He didn't enjoy the first one as much as I did. And I warned him going in. I'm like, everyone is hating on this movie. They're saying it's stupid. They're saying it's terrible. And when we walked out of the movie, we're like, you know what? The critics can just shut up because they have no clue what they're talking about. And it, and it was very cool. There were so many great moments in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Then I went and saw it a second time. And my and my and my blinders were off a little bit, and I and I began to see so many of the flaws. A lot of people talk about the plot holes and and that sort of thing. I don't see those so much because to me, if I'm going to buy that, there's a race of sentient robots who transform into vehicles, and they're fighting a war on my planet. I can put up with a few plot holes if if they're even there. What I didn't like was the the pointless use of of just dumb humor i just there was and i don't have a problem with humor at all i love humor and i don't think that comic relief in a movie is bad but it's got to be good comic relief and for every funny thing that mud flaps and skids the the two dirty talking robots that some people have accused of being a racist statement in the movie um for every funny comment they made there was just another one it's like why'd you have to say that you know I'm not I'm not a prude. I'm not someone who thinks that, you know, regardless of, of my religious affiliation or my job, I'm not a prude. And I'm not someone who thinks that there shouldn't be any vulgarity in the movies and they shouldn't talk this shit. But I think that to, to be vulgar for vulgarity's sake is just dumb, you know? I think that you have to... It, it takes... It takes talent and it takes intelligence to truly be funny without the use of, of vulgarity and, and the humor and the, and the type of humor they used in Transformers in, in, in three or four instances in Transformers. And, and what that showed me was just a lack of thinking as, as to how can we make this moment humorous. The little, the little remote control car wheelie, uh, there was the moment where he decided to be an Autobot and, and he starts um, <sighs> earmuffs parents humping Go ahead, go ahead, parents. Now, Megan Fox's leg. And when really all he had to do was just kind of be grovelly and beg and be like, thank you, thank you so much, thank you so much. And it would have been funnier. It would have been just as funny. You know, you didn't need that other stuff. You didn't need the the scene beneath Devastator's midsection, as they used to say <laughs> in the old 80s wrestling broadcasters used to say when someone got hit there. You just had to say I'm directly beneath the beast. I mean, it was there was such an intense moment. You didn't need that kind of humor there you really didn't and and i think that um i think that that took away from a lot of what was a really good fun movie for the summer um what else i hadn't got to see district nine but then comes gi joe or gi joe was before district nine but but then there's gi joe uh, G.I. Joe was something that, you know, based on this podcast from my episode with Michael Bailey, that I was not looking forward to as much as, as, as some people might have been, mainly because of those accelerator suits. And those accelerator suits ended up being awesome. This is a movie that I would feel more comfortable taking a child to, I think. Uh, you know, and this is me speaking as not a parent. I could not take a child to see Transformers and feel good about it at the end of the day. There's just too much vulgarity and too much dirty humor in it that I'm not comfortable taking a, a younger child to see. With G.I. Joe, there's not so much of that, and there's some there's a few scary images in some places where things are kind of scary, but I'll tell you what it reminded me of. When I watched G.I. Joe, I'm like, somebody's watched Star Wars. 
Someone has sat down and watched Star Wars. They've got everything from from a Darth Vader character to a trench run, a space battle that really happens underwater, the big thing they got to blow up. Someone has seen Star Wars. Lightsaber battles. Someone's seen Star Wars. Um, it was a fun movie. Had this movie been the G.I. Joe movie in the 80s, like had they made a G.I. Joe movie and this is what we got, even with like 80s effects and that sort of thing, this would be one of my favorite movies of all time. As it stands, it was a movie that was released in 2009, and it ends up being just a fun, turn-your-mind-off flick. And, and a lot of people say that to defend something they really want to like. And, th- and I think that's why I say it, because I really want to like this movie. Um, you know, I, I'll probably buy it when it comes out on video just because I did enjoy it a little bit. You know, I did, and, and I want to have it because it's G.I. Joe. Same thing with Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. I want to see Optimus Prime airdrop onto the Decepticon again. You know, I want to see the battle in the forest where Optimus Prime defends Sam with his life. I want to see those things. I want to see Optimus Prime, you know, suit up with Jetfire and, and take out uh, take out the Fallen. I want to see these things again in, in the comfort of my own home because I enjoy them and I'll probably buy those things. And I love the music in Transformers and I, and, and I think that there were some great visuals and Michael Bay knows how to blow things up. But, um... Overall, really, I miss 2008, man. 2008 was such a good summer. And so hopefully what we'll see happen in 2010 with Iron Man 2 and a few other projects that I'm looking forward to in 2010, in summer 2010, hopefully we'll have a great time in a couple of, in, in a couple of months. Um, so, Chris, thank you for that, uh, and, and, and thank you for listening to the show. Um, this one comes from Mandy. The subject line is Newly Uncloseted Geek Girl. Uh, Mandy says, hi, Steve. First time emailer. Woohoo! I started listening to your podcast a couple of months ago when my friend Matt accosted me and demanded that I do so. I think he knew that I had kind of a geeky aura about me and was confident that I would thoroughly enjoy the podcast. He was certainly right. But by doing so, he and his wife accidentally blew the lid off the deep well of my geekdom. In fact, until I started listening to your podcast, I didn't realize what a geek I was. But with each episode, something new comes to light. Here's a top five list of the symptoms of my geekiness. Number five, I have a giant secret crush on Alan Rickman that I talk about constantly to whoever will listen. (laughs) Not so secret anymore. Number four, I play World of Warcraft. This is a double whammy because I named my characters using Tolkien Elvish. I found a dictionary online. No, you didn't. You memorized Tolkien Elvish when you were in high school. You know it. You know that you were walking around in high school saying, Lorian, what's all right? Number three, once in a while, I was playing my character Silmaril on WoW, and I, that's World of Warcraft, and I met someone with a character named Lothlorien. We chatted for a while about how awesome Lord of the Rings is and whatnot, and when she was getting ready to leave, she said, how do you say goodbye in Elvish? I was in the process of typing, I'm not that big of a geek, remembering how I had to look up my other characters' names in the online Elvish dictionary. And as I was typing, I remembered that I actually do know how to say goodbye in Elvish because you didn't look up all that other stuff on the dictionary. Number two, I love Harry Potter, The Lord of the Rings, and Narnia movies, but I find myself often saying, that's not how it is in the books, then launching on a long and detailed explanation. This is because I have all the Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Narnia audiobooks on my iPhone, and they're pretty much all I listen to between podcasts at my job. You're a geek. If you look at something and your first reaction is, that's not how they do it in the books. You're a geek. Number one, when I was 12, I had serious aspirations to become a ninja. <laughs> 
<laughs> if I could have also become a turtle, I would have, but I knew that was unrealistic. I practiced with my bow staff, Reed Curtainrod, wore a black turtleneck with the collar covering my nose and mouth, which was tucked into my black stirrup pants, which were tucked into my black socks, which were housed in my orange flip-flops. I only wore this outfit around the house and yard. Sure you did. I tried to be as stealthy as possible between classes in my middle school and show what a true geek I was. I studied ninja methods out of a library book and was severely disappointed when my mom wouldn't let me try out a sleeper hold on. <laughs> I have a confession to make, though. I can't, even after watching each movie several times, keep the storyline of Star Wars in my head. I agree with you that Episode Four is called Star Wars and not A New Hope, but I can't remember anything about it besides vague impressions of lightsabers and Wookiee roaring and the Millennium Falcon. Can... <clears throat> and the Millennium Falcon can do the such and such run in so many parsecs. I can remember the names of episodes 5 and 6, but I couldn't tell you which is which. Episodes 1, 2, and 3 all blur together in my mind, except that I know Anakin was a little kid in the first one and turns into Darth Vader at the end of the last one. I have no comment on Jar Jar Binks. Well, sorry for a long email, but I thought you might be interested to know of another girl geek you've outed, even though my positive geek qualities are somewhat mitigated by the Star Wars thing. Sincerely, Mandy in Oregon. Mandy, let me say this to you real quick. Um, as it, as it pertains to Star Wars, y you seem like someone who could get on board with this thing. This is what I want to encourage you to do. Yoda said in Empire Strikes Back, you must unlearn what you have learned. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to forget everything you know or think you know about Star Wars. And I want you to put in episode one. Now, all you Star Wars fans are screaming at the top of your lungs right now. Tell me, trust me, Star Wars fans. I know what I'm doing. As you watch Star Wars Episode One, if you find that you like Jar Jar, that's fine. If you don't like Jar Jar, ignore him because most of the movie, he's something you can just ignore and saying, well, there goes Jar Jar again. Buy into Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Buy into Darth Maul. Really watch the whole scenes where the the Nemodians, the fellas who talk like this and and Godzilla is coming. Um, hmm. Of course. As you know, our blockade is perfectly regal. Um, as, you, as, you, as you watch, pay attention to their scenes as they're talking to the hologram Darth Sidious. Really pay attention to some of the dialogue. Let yourself be kind of drawn into the overall political arc of that story. And then put on episode two, realizing that it's ten years later. That's all you need. That's all I'm going to tell you, okay? That's all I'm going to say about this. And if by the end of the battle in Episode 2, you're like, I really don't give a crap, just watch Episode 3. Episode 3 will draw you back in, okay? You've got to come to that, though. You've got to come to the table not knowing and pretending you don't know anything about Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Just take the information given you in Episodes 1, 2, and 3. Watch them in order, and then go watch Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Now with the knowledge you have from 1, 2, and 3. And I think you'll be a fan. I think you'll enjoy it, okay? So take some time and do that. That's Mandy in Oregon. We've outed you, Mandy. Who speaks Elvish? You know you do. Reed says, I finally succumbed to visiting your site after about a year of listening to your podcast. It's a great site, but I noticed one major flaw. No video game coverage. For a geek site, this is almost quintessential. But it might be pretentious, but I'd like to offer, and he's offering his writing to my site. He, he operates a blog, reedbrown.blogspot.com. And I've contributed to bitmob.com, a video game site created by ex-EGM editor-in-chief Dan Sue. 
I was wondering if you'd accept my services to broaden your geek content. That is all. Reed, thanks for your email. I'm going to pass on the gaming stuff right now, uh, mainly because we have someone in waiting in the wings for the gaming stuff um, who, who has been a mod on the forums and that sort of thing. The thing about video games is, is, is that is a whole part of geekdom that I'm not as much into as maybe you might think I am. I play what I enjoy. I played The Force Unleashed, and I play Peggle. Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I still haven't played Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. I did play the Ghostbusters game. It's a blast. It's really good. Go go check out the Ghostbusters game. It's fun. Um, Justin's, Justin's. Justin says, Hey, Big Honk and Steve. First of all, I want to say that I am a first-time emailer, woohoo, as well as a huge fan of yours. You're not a fan. You're a listener. I know you've heard this countless times, but I'm a new listener to your show. Having come over as an... Yes, I've heard that you come from Shoe. I must admit that without yourself and Derek, the show wouldn't be as awesome as it is for me every week. <clears throat> I'll also admit that around the time you guys interviewed BAG is when I actually got into the Terminator universe and started watching Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. So sad that has been canceled. That is sad, sir. Now to the meat of my letter. I was working at my job as a file maintenance clerk at a local Safeway, a fancy way to say my night shift worker, up in Canada. That's right, I'm Canadian, eh? And listening to your latest episode where you interview Stan Bush, and I got to thinking about my life as a self-proclaimed geek. I love Casey, your co-host, by the way. I do, too. She's a sweetheart. Anyhow, throughout my life, I've always been a huge fan of anything you might call geekish. I love reading fantasy series such as The Sword of Truth and Will of Time, uh, the ever-epic Lord of the Rings, uh, as well as playing games. However, in the past few years, the main thing I geek out on on personally is TV and movies. I watch way too much of both and actually hope to get into the industry somehow. It's next to impossible to figure out what to do with your life these days. <sighs> okay, that's true. Um, let me just stop right there and say, buddy, you got to go for it. You know, at some point, if that's if it's if it's really your passion, you think you can do it. If if you want to write, if you want, then just go for it and uh, and and see what happens because. You would rather, I'll be honest with you, you'd rather be at this point in your life working at a safe way saying, well, I missed my shot, or I, di- I took my shot and it didn't work out, than down the road lying on your deathbed saying, wow, I wish I'd have taken my shot. You know, I wish I'd have tried. Um, the main point is this. I've always been the kind of person that is always interested in way too many things to commit to one, any one stream or subject and gain a huge knowledge base about any one thing, a jack of all trades but a master of none, if you will. And I've always sort of been saddened by that when I hear someone talking so passionately about something. I've just never been able to find anything that makes me geek out so much that I absolutely have to know everything about it. So I'm constantly talking to people and friends about things that I know a little bit about, but not a lot. And then I end up learning more as I geek out about the subject. Although I suppose that benefits me in a few ways as well. Anyhow, I was just wondering if you've ever had any moments in your life where you've been talking with someone and where they knew more, <laughs> knew more about something than you did and you end up learning something interesting. Every day, sir. Every day. And this is why I tell people, you know, as much as I love to geek out and as much as I love to do the podcasts that I do and even my radio show now, I recognize that outside of this microphone and outside of this internet world, there is a real world that I'm a part of. And the best thing you can do as a human being is interact with the people around you. You will learn things. You will learn a lot, uh, you know, even, even if it's something that doesn't seem important. And it's not just to be able to carry on a conversation, and it's not just to be able to kind of look like you know, but it's to really to be able to apply knowledge to your life. Wisdom is knowledge that we put to use. That's what wisdom is. And so I would say, yeah, definitely, every day I learn something new. Um, 
in, in, in talking about something interesting. I know the question is vague, but maybe you can go to one of your off-topic rants about something. Gotta love those. Off-topic rants, something I've learned just in talking with someone about something. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Um, nothing comes to mind right now. Even though I know it's there. I'll tell you what, go back and listen to any podcast I do with Michael Bailey. Every time I talk to Michael Bailey, we'll be talking, and he'll tell me somehow, like, really? Is that true? And it's usually about geeky stuff with him, but it is, it is, that is, that is my relationship with Michael Bailey. I expect to learn some new factoid when walking away from Michael Bailey. Continuing on, though, during your interview when you were talking to Stan Bush or about Transformers, just really made me think back to my childhood days. I'm 22, and I remember loving the original Transformers animated movie. When they announced the live-action Transformers, I was floored and excited like a little kid. I almost immediately went out and purchased the old Transformers movie and rewatched it several times. It was amazing. Anyhow, I know this is probably lasting way too long already, and it's too random to be read on the podcast. Guess what, Justin from Canada? It wasn't too long to be read on the podcast, eh? I know this is probably lasting way too long and it's already too random to be read on the podcast, although I would love, although that would be awesome. I don't, I'm trying to do Canadian. I can't do it. So I'll end here by saying I love the work you do on Geek Out Loud, eh? And the official podcast of Geek Out Online. And we'll continue to listen for the foreseeable future. Also, say hey to Derek and Casey for me. They're awesome, too. Hey, Derek and Casey. That's from Justin in Canada. Oh, my lanta. So thanks, Justin, for emailing in. And, and you know what? You Gosh, that is such a serious thing that you're bringing up. I'd love to talk to you sometime just in real life about some things because dang uh let's see where are we at in time oh we got time and a half we're only an hour and 20 minutes in an hour and a half in patrick Cra- patrick says hey steve i discovered gold a number of months back and i must say i'm digging it the most to say the least totally digging it i must say freaking uh oh my gosh ed grimley ed grimley does anyone remember ed grimley i loved ed grimley totally mental i must say I also post on the message boards, not frequently enough. He had a Saturday morning cartoon that I absolutely found hilarious. Martin Short, to me, is one of those guys that just trips me out. He's a funny guy. Anywho, I've completely caught up on every episode of the show and cannot thank you enough for creating an online community and podcast for myself and my fellow geeks out there. Not that the internet isn't overrun with us already, but as you've stated so many times, so much of the internet is rife with negativity and really just pure bitterness that Geek Out Online is not only a breath of fresh air, it's truly a safe haven for those of us that simply want to geek out about our passions and celebrate everything that brings us together as a geek-tastic community. So, Steve, I salute you. Okay, enough brown-nosing. I agree, Patrick, enough of that. More, more, more. I thought I would give you some of my geek passions since after listening to every show some multiple times, I've listened to the top ten list of many of your listeners have sent in, and I won on that bandwagon. So without further ado... Patrick's Top Tens. My list may seem a little non-traditional at points, so bear with me. Top Ten Superheroes. The Max. During the comic book glut of the early 90s when everybody was putting out flashy books with eye-popping art and very little story. Image, I'm looking at you. Keith Giffen put out The Max. An incredibly surreal story involving a social worker, a villain who may or may not be all that bad. And The Max himself. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but I love it. A homeless man who just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time is swallowed up into a world of spirit animals and alternate realities. Hello, I'm a spirit parakeet. (laughs) The Max, along with the reader, never knew exactly what the real world was, and Max's attempt at heroics always felt noble despite falling short very often. He was quirky, eager, and often a very tragic character, and that's why I made my list. I'll try not to be so wordy with my other explanations. He didn't succeed. Spoiler. 
Spoiler alert, he doesn't succeed. Number nine. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Having a little fun there at your expense, Patrick. Number nine, The Tick. Again, this is another oddball hero that really sort of sits outside the normal superhero genre. The Tick is an amazingly fun character that was both true to the certain comic book norms, dink, dink, quote fingers, dink, dink, but also often poked fun at him and the world he inhabited. He was super strong, invulnerable, and a true hero through and through. He wasn't the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, but that's why he had Arthur. He was the king of one-liners, too. Who can forget lines like, I love wheat, and the ever-so-popular spoon? Just a fun guy who you knew would win in the end every time. You know, I watched the Tick cartoon series, and I remember it being really funny. I, it's on my Netflix queue because I wanted to see it again. Just because I do remember laughing about that on Saturday mornings. It, it kind of came late on the Saturday morning cartoon tree. It was it was part of Fox's Saturday morning lineup, and, uh, and I never really got to watch it, but I do remember it. Number eight, the Blue Beetle and slash Booster Gold. So both of these guys come in at number eight. I'm a self-confessed Justice League fanatic. And these two guys during the late 80s and early 90s were the backbone of the series. The book itself had taken a comedic turn that Beetle and Booster, or Blue and Gold, that's my school colors, go big blue and gold, go big blue, were the Abbott and Costello of the stories. Neither one were very effective in terms of combat, but they made up for it in witty banter department, often having me laughing out loud at their antics. In the end, though, they were two guys you could count on to come through in a pinch, and Blue Beetle eventually made the ultimate sacrifice and lost his name, lost his life, rather, in the name of being a true hero. Yeah, Blue Beetle got shot right before Infinite Crisis. Number seven, Deadpool. I know some debate whether he's a hero or not, but he's certainly no villain. That lovable merc with the mouth is one of those instant classic characters. Patrick, let me encourage you to do something. You need to start being the hype man for DC Comics and Marvel Comics because, buddy, you sound like you are selling these characters right now. Uh, that lovable Merc with the mouth is one of those instant classic characters that can kick some serious butt but never takes himself seriously. See, and I'm going to read it like a hype man now. Plus, he knows he's in a comic book and very often breaks the fourth wall by talking the writer, artist, and reader alike, which I absolutely love. And he doesn't just do it in his book. He does it no matter what series he's appearing in. Just good fun. Number six, The Crow. I'm talking the original Eric Draven Crow here. He is a man who had his life, his love, and his future ripped away from him. However, through mystical circumstances, he's given the opportunity to put things right by avenging himself and his fiancée by destroying those who kill them and make certain they can never commit such despicable acts again. He's dark. He's unstable in his quest, and he's fighting for the most noble cause of all, love. Number five, The Flash. No matter what incarnation you want to discuss, when you're referring to heroic speedsters, only one name comes to mind, The Flash. A lot of people may think of him as a cast-off character, but to me, he really rivals some of the big guns. Not only is the dude the fastest man on the planet, he can vibrate every molecule in his body to pass through solid objects. He can travel through time, he can create whirlwinds, and he can move so fast that either bullets fly off of him or simply miss their target. In my mind, he is a big gun. Professor Char Number four, Professor Charles Xavier. What is there to say about this character that hasn't already been said? You see what I'm doing here with each of his, each of his things? <clears throat> what is there to say about this character that hasn't already been said? He's one of the most powerful telepaths on the planet, and he created a school where children born with exceptional abilities could not only hone their skills, but feel comfortable and not persecuted. He's a humanitarian, a leader, and a hero. Three things we should all aspire to be. 
vote Charles Xavier for president in 2012. Number three, the Green Lantern. We're talking Hal Jordan, Green Lantern here. He was brash and hot-headed when he began his life as Lantern, but soon became one of the most dependable and honorable men in the comic book world. Plus, the Lantern's power ring has got to be one of the coolest weapons ever created. Simply by thinking about it, depending on the user's willpower, the Green Lantern could make or, or do anything he wanted with that, baby. You need, you need a bubble to travel in space? A giant hammer? He can do it. Just to me, one of the best ever. All right, here's the thing. Billy Mays here talking about Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. He was brash, hot-headed when he began his life as a Lantern, but soon became one of the most dependable and honorable men in the comic book world. Watch as he creates a bubble to travel in space. A giant hammer. He can do it. Sorry. Number two, the Martian Manhunter, Jean Jean's, the last surviving Martian. With an origin similar to Superman's, you'd think that he would be a boring guy. Not so. He was a stoic hero, a detective at heart that simply wanted to fit in on Earth after his homeworld was destroyed. His powers are amazing as well. He can fly, has super strength, he's telepathic, he can become invisible, and the dude's a shapeshifter. He's like four or five heroes in one. That is true. He's one part Superman, another part Batman, and to me is a complex and cool cat. Of course, he's dead now. He's dead, Jim. And part of the Black Lanterns, but I'm hoping that'll change. Number one, Optimus Prime, the quintessential hero and leader. As a child, I knew that when the chips were down and everything seemed to be lost, I could always depend on Optimus Prime to find a way to win the day. He was strong, he was a leader, and he was calm. Cool and collected. To me, he represented what you'd get if you crossed a robot with John Wayne. And that voice, I mean, the dude is just the total package, and I couldn't think of anyone that deserved to be at number one other than him. Okay, that went way long. Sorry about that. I'll just list my other stuff without the narrations. Top 10 comic book movies, X-Men, Spider-Man 2. Okay, no, Patrick, here's what I want you to do. Go through your sent mail and find these top 10 lists, and I want you to do narrations on each of these because I had fun with them. Um, On a final note, above and beyond any of my other geek passions, I'm a rabid Star Wars and Disney geek, like you and many others. I am a fan of the original Star Wars generation, or I am of the original Star Wars generation, and I can remember vividly being four years old, my mother taking my friend Seth and I to see A New Hope, as my mother put it. As soon as, as my mother put it, as soon as the Star Destroyer came on the screen, neither of you moved, ate, or drank anything for the next two hours. That moment defined my childhood, and now I can proudly say my own daughters are Star Wars fanatics. Well, Patrick, that's awesome, dude. I love it when kids get into this stuff says, okay, I've gone on long enough. Again, Steve, thank you so much for everything you do. And stand for in the geek world. Just keep doing it. I uh, can't wait for the next show. Well, you had to, didn't you, buddy? And I'll see you on the boards. Patrick, I'm serious about these other two uh, top ten lists. You, you sent in ten comic book movies uh, and ten childhood cartoons. Seriously, do that with the narrations like you did on your uh, top ten superheroes because... I had fun with those, and I'd like to do some more stuff like that again. So thanks a lot, Patrick. Appreciate you emailing in with those top ten lists. Um, Let's see. Here we are. This is Jay, co-host of the Unknown Regions. He says, I heard you talking with Casey, and I think the next Big Honkin' Dance Party should be music from 80s soundtracks like Top Gun, Rocky IV, Caddyshack, Footloose, and Flashdance, among others. That, my friend, would be awesome. Here's what I need to know from you, the podcast listening audience. Do we do another dance party? Do we dare do another big honking dance party? Let me know. Get in touch with me. All right, Jay, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, see what the people say because it's all about the people. Um, 
Oh my gosh, so many. There's so many. This one comes from Matthew. The 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 subject line is help me big honking, you're my only hope. Longtime listener, first time emailer. Woohoo! So, hey, waves. <laughs> Anyway, I have a question for you, sir. Seeing as how I view you to be a dependable for superhero knowledge, seeing as how I view you as a dependable source of superhero knowledge, there has been a long debate between my friend and my family and I about this. Is Sarah Connor a superhero? I say yes. She saved the Earth from destruction in T two. Well, postponed it anyway. But if that's the case, then in reality, how many times has the Justice League saved the Earth? Really, <laughs> good point. She has a sidekick in John and Cameron. Though when John grows up, he'll be his own hero, like Grayson from Robin to Nightwing. She doesn't have any superpowers. However, I see her origin and drive to be scary a lot like Batman's. Okay. She lost everyone she loved to this monster, so she traveled to many places learning and training to obtain certain skills so she can stop said monster. If anything, her iron, her iron will and her determination is her superpower. She escapes from Mr. Ferguson is ill today and some must sleep. Oh, see her escapes in those, in those two episodes. I see what you're saying. She had some cool escapes in two different episodes. She has her own comic, Terminator Revolution, and plus, if they call the Punisher a superhero, why not Connor? So what do you think? Um, I'm going to fall on the side of no. And it, and it really comes down to genre, is, is truly what it comes down I know she's got her own comic book, as you said, that I've not read. I just think it comes down to genre. I don't think that she's meant to be a superhero or looked at as a superhero. Um, but though she is a hero, I, I just don't think superhero is something she would fall into. Before I go, here are my top five heroes. Uh, number one, Dick Grayson. Number two, Tim Drake. Both Robins. Dick, of course, turned to Nightwing, and he now he's Batman. Sarah Connor. <laughs> number four, Green Lantern. Hal Jordan. Blackest Night is awesome so far. I agree. Um, and number five, Oracle. An incredible origin from Batgirl to building herself up uh, from cripple to leader. Honorable mention, Big Honkin. No superpowers, but like Oracle is a source of information on all things Star Wars and 80s geekdom. Arch nemesis is sci-fi now. <laughs> oh, Matt, thank you uh, for calling me a superhero. That means a lot. Um, and my arch nemesis is sci-fi now. Where you at now, sci-fi now? Successful magazine in Britain. That's where they are. They're a successful magazine, fatty. Um, this comes from... Um, Todd and Todd says I have to personally thank you for getting my geek back on listening to your show uh, makes me so excited to go watch Star Wars I watched all three original movies over the weekend I've been reading all my old Batman comics again I have a nice 10 year collection from 1992 to 2002 currently working my way through the Night Trilogy that's Nightfall, Night Quest, Night's End which is still my favorite comic book story of all time can't wait to hear the next show looking forward to your interview with the Forcecast guys I listen to that podcast every week and that's from Todd Todd I had a blast with the Forcecast guys and again can't thank Jimmy Mack and Jason uh, for coming on nearly enough um, <laughs> this comes from our good friend Colin um, and what's funny is it, the Colin and I had some problems because I gave Colin a hard time several episodes back about some of the spelling and punctuation and apologized and we made up and we're friends now. Um, and he says in his subject line is, where has spell check gone? <laughs> says, um, Steve, you're the best. Cannot wait for the uh, Brian Austin Green interview re regarding Smallville. Um, 
thing a sequel needs is continuity. When you start changing actors or themes, stuff gets messed up. I agree, and this is one of the things that I'm not looking forward to about uh, Iron Man 2 is the, is the replacement of um, Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle in, in, the, in the role of Rhodey. Not, not that I don't like Don Cheadle. I think he's a phenomenal actor, but I just hate that, that face and the image. It's going to just take some getting used to, I'm afraid. Punisher, three movies, two of them bad, not in total different takes on a character. Let's avoid Batman and Robin and Batman forever. <laughs> Indeed, let's avoid them. Actor change killed Terminator 3. I don't know if that's what killed Terminator 3. Let's see what happens with Iron Man 2. I wish we could see a Condor Man 2 or the Rocketeer. Oh, now listen, I hadn't watched Condor Man in years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I don't even remember if I liked it or not, but just to hear that name. That's the thing I love is you'll hear things. You're like, I need to see that. I need to see if I can get my hands on that. Or the Rocketeer. I'd love to see a Rocketeer sequel. I need to watch the Rocketeer again. Two movies that need to be made, Thundercats and Voltron. Agreed. Get it done. Edna, get in, Get the right people. Thundercats and Voltron. No, not together. No, two different movies. They don't end up being the same. I'll handle it. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate you writing in, my friend. This one comes from Kay. She says, hey, Steve, long-time listener, first-time writer. Woohoo! After the Muppets were brought up again in episode 36, I thought I should write in. I agree that Sesame Street characters are Muppets. So thank you. And the cover of Grover's book of cute little baby animals backs us up. Check out the wording at the bottom of the cover. Let me see if I can pull this up without really messing up the recording here. Uh, it says, featuring Jim Henson's Sesame Street Muppets. Boom. Chicka boom, boom, boom. Chicka boom, boom, boom. I was right, I was right, I was right. They call them Muppets everywhere you go. They're Muppets, Muppets. This is my celebration. Derek, take that. Thank you, Kay. Appreciate you writing in. Have a great day. This... <laughs> Robbie from Western Australia says, Hi, Steve. I just listened to your latest in my first podcast featuring Jason and Jimmy from The Force Cast. I was linked to it from www.theforce.net and loved the show. Not only was it great to hear from Jason and Jimmy about their Star Wars history, but you were a great host and your laugh got me every time. I just want to say keep up the great work and I'll be sure to check out your next episode, downloading your Phantom Menace commentary now. And that's Robbie from Western Australia. Robbie, I hope you stick with us even through me being an idiot. That's all I can say about that. Robbie, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Taboon Singh, call him John, says, Well, your friends Jason and Dan on Flicks had a problem pronouncing my name, so to make it easy for you, just call me John. I'm from Malaysia. I'm a new listener, and I found you through Skynext, and since Ter Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles has been canceled, and most TV shows are currently on a break, not anymore, I don't have any podcasts to listen to. So I went on to to Geek Out Loud. Well, I'm glad I could be a cool last resort for you. The official podcast of geekoutonline.com and found the Brian Austin Green interview. After listening to it, I found that I really, really enjoy your podcast. It was fun and funny. Thank you, Taboon Singh. So I downloaded a few more of the episodes. Unfortunately, I can't get all the episodes on iTunes. The oldest one available for download is Dance Party, and I loved it. Had so much fun. Throughout the podcast, I found out you're a Star Wars fan. So am I. I was born in the 90s, and I'm 15 this year. 
The first Star Wars film I saw was The Phantom Menace. I saw it when I think I was five or six. It, you would have been five or six back in 99. And I loved it. Then I started watching the older Star Wars and found that they were all very good films. However, I do not appreciate the original trilogy as much as you do because I grew up watching the prequels. Now, prequel haters who love the original trilogy, did you hear what this dude just said? He has his experience has been with the prequels. Teboon Singh, his his experience has been. I hope I'm saying your first part of your name right there, Teboon Singh. Um, has has his experience has been with the prequels, and he can't appreciate the originals as much as he appreciates the prequels. And he's a Star Wars fan. My favorite of the whole series is without a doubt Revenge of the Sith. The best thing about that film has to be the final battle. It was such an emotional fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan, and I really felt the emotion because the score, which I believe was A Hero Falls, actually it's called uh, Battle of the Heroes, uh, just fit into that sequence so well. I have the six-disc special edition, uh, special extended DVD edition, and found out that it took so much just to make that particular scene. And I really appreciate the work done by everyone from building the sets to the actors rehearsing daily. It even shocked me that they actually used many different variations of their costumes because of the lava. That is an amazing thing when you think about it because they, as they film the thing, and I can't remember if they actually filmed it in reverse or not as far as like different sections, but they had costumes they had to have wear and tear on. And, we, and these are little things you don't think about. If you've got the episode 3 DVD, you need to go and watch... Uh, the the making of that scene. They just take one minute of the fight and show you what all went into it. Anyway, ranked in my, second in my favorite Star Wars movies, The Empire Strikes Back. That film is really a complete film for me. My favorite my favorite part of the film is is um, is of course Luke, I'm your father. That has got to go down as one of the best movie lines along with I'll be back. That's all for now. Keep up the good work entertaining your listeners. And P.S. If T if Terminator does get picked up, would Derek return to Sky next? I can say this with all confidence and assurance. If Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, does get picked up as a series, Derek will return to Sky next. Um, so thank you, Teboon Singh. I hope that I said the first. Is that Will that be a character of your name correctly? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, here's the truth. I'm just going to pull back the curtain. We're an hour and 50 minutes in, almost two hours in. You're tired of listening to me. My voice is about to go. I'm going to read one more email here, and then we'll close things up. But I do have a ton more emails I need to get to. Brian, big honkin'. If nothing screamed geek out loud more than the new Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, I don't know what does. I know you've got a lot going on with the new awesome Big Honkin' Show, Personal Life, Real Life. Strange, I'll separate those two, but that's just what order they popped into my head, probably in order of importance, and just everything under the sun. But when you have a whole arsenal of superheroes fighting supervillains in one action-packed movie, what more is needed to get the Big Honkin' pump for some geeking out, and what better avenue to do it than the official podcast of geekoutonline.com? I know, sir. Let me continue. I won't throw out any spoilers just in case for some unfathomable reason you haven't seen it yet. But if not, you need to bump that up to the beginning of your Netflix queue and watch some of it. It is amazing! I actually cheered out loud in my living room at one point, in which my wife came running out expecting something wrong and found me watching a cartoon movie pumped to the core. She shrugged it off and went back to bed. But I know there are those out there that would understand. It's Superman and Batman for crying out loud. Can't contain myself. Need to end this here before I get too excited. Can't contain spoilers anymore. My best Bruce Banner voice must close email before they get 
out. And that's Brian from Pittsburgh. And Brian, I will go ahead and tell everyone, spoiler alert, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies is awesome. Oh my, no, 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 no. Holy monkey spit. I watched this thing last night. Okay, I went to Walmart, picked it up, watched it last night. I knew I was looking forward to it, but I had no idea how much I was looking forward to it. Now, for those of you who are fans of the comic book, the Jeff Loeb, Ed McGinnis story, in that first six or seven issues of the comic, I know that you're going to look and there are a few things that are changed. For example, John Corbin and Superman aren't in the cemetery for the same reason they were at the beginning of, of Superman, Batman, the actual comic but it works the reason they're there is work the little things that are changed are changed just to kind of take out some of the the history that you'd have to really fill everyone in on in this movie and you can't but everything works they don't take time to introduce all all the supervillains that show up they don't take time to introduce even all the superheroes that show up they just show up and, the, and things happen and things go down and and oh my gosh huh <sighs> uh. In the words of Animal at the end of his version of Wild Thing, so tired. Um, my goodness, people. You know, let's be honest. We're not going to get a Batman, new Batman movie anytime soon. We're, there's no, even, you can't even see it on the horizon, a new Superman movie anytime soon. Tim Daly. Kevin Conroy, the original voices of Superman and Batman, respectively, in those animated series in the 90s and the Justice League uh, are back to be Superman and Batman. Um, Clancy Brown, the voice of Lex Luthor in the Superman the Animated Series, he's back to be Lex Luthor. It feels so familiar and so good to hear those voices come out of those characters and the way they're drawn, the animation isn't the, isn't the animated style, uh, you know, with the thicker lines and the and the cartooniness. It, it's 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 a touch of Ed McGinnis and a touch of I don't know. It just looks so cool. And the action, holy fight scene, Batman. And again, holy fight scene, Batman. And holy fight scene, Batman. There are some things that are changed from the comic series. And and I really I don't want to get into spoilers. It's only been out a day, so I'll say this. Just know there are some things that are changed, but they're not bad changes. They're changes that had to be made. Okay? And they're changes that work. And it works so well. It's to me to me it is the best of the animated movies that has come out from DC and they are and Warner Premiere is the name of the company and they are pumping them out and they're doing a fantabulous job. They they get better and better since um since New Frontier, they've just they've just been good. They've been solid releases. Um, so check it out. I I give it my huge approval. So my voice is almost shot. I know you can't hear it, but my throat is killing me right now. So I'm going to close this out, and I'm going to say I'll be back soon. We'll read some emails. We'll have our interview with Ash Miller. I've got to start back working on getting Kyle Newman on. He's he's interested in coming on the show. Uh, guys, thanks so much for being a part of this. You know, I I love doing Geek Out Loud, and I've loved reading these emails tonight. And I, and I know that maybe for some of you it, it's been kind of laborious to plow through, but it has not been for me. So uh, keep the emails coming, geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline 
at gmail.com. Uh, check us out over at geekoutonline.com. The podcast can be found at geekoutpodcast.com. Our forums are at geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. It is a new TV season. Smallville looks to rock. You can hear me talk about that over at Starkville's House of Ale. You can find that at smallvillepodcast.com. Um, goodness, what else, folks? What else is going on? Uh, the Big Honkin' Show. BigHonkinShow.com. Listen to it. Let us know what you think. We'd love, we're, we've got a lot of people commenting on the website over there. We need some emails to the Big Honkin' Show so we can know what's on your mind so we can get a little content for that show going on Saturday mornings. Um, overall, folks, just have a good time. You know, that's what this show, that's what the Big Honkin' Show is about. You know, I, I'm constantly reminded. Through, can I get, let me get serious in the closing moments of Geek Out Loud. I had a kid come into my office today just broken up because super good kid who made a mistake okay and and he did make a mistake you know it's one of those things and he was just so broken up about it because he felt like he let all his friends down he let all his teachers down he felt like he let me down and um just a super kid you know and it's like in that moment and talking to this kid and seeing this kid come to tears over just not because he got caught i mean this was a kid who was ready to turn himself in for the mistake he'd made but because he was hurting, I was hurting for him, and, and just wanting to let him know he's so cool. And in that moment, you know, I realized that what we talk about are comic books and TV and movies. And, and it's fun, and that's what it should be. And if you are devoting your life to comic books, TV, and movies and gaming if that is what your life is then turn off this podcast and don't listen anymore because i don't want to contribute to that uh i want you to experience a real life with real people go out and do something and go out and 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 have fun and and make sure that these things are where they're at in your life because there are more important things but i say that to say this thank you so much for being a part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe you guys your emails and your encouragement and your kind words, you have no idea what they mean to me. And 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 and, and just how so many times at just the right moment in the day I'll get an email that just is just an uplifting and encouraging thing. And if I'm not able to email you back, you know, just know that I apologize. I read every single one that comes through. And sometimes I'm just in the midst of something and can't get back with you. So um, but know that I read everyone and and try to get back to you when I can and and try to even read a lot on the on the air as you see. But uh, but I thank you, thank you so much for just being a part of this. And uh, next time we'll be back with Ash Miller, some more of your emails, hopefully some funny anecdotes that pertain to geekdom. And uh, wow, sorry for that little rant I just went off on. But uh, have a great one. And hopefully we'll see you within a week. That's the hope. That's the hope. That's the hope. We're hoping to see you within a week. So take us out, whoever I choose to put in here, music track, for we now leave Geek Out. That's dumb. See you guys. Have a good one. <laughs>